Would you open your Bibles with me to the very first chapter in the Bible, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And I'm going to look at chapter 1 and we're going to read two or three verses together. Beginning at verse 26, would you please stand with me if we read God's word. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth, Upon the earth. This is the word of God. Would you please be seated? Today I want to talk about the beginning of purpose. We've been in a theme in the last few weeks, begin again. And um, we have seen the God of beginnings. And by his grace we can begin again. Every day should be a day we begin again. Every time we confess our sins, it's a new beginning. Lots of times we fail in this world, but God always gives us something to look forward to. He is a restoring, comforting, gracious God. And I pray that the Lord would help us today as we involve our hearts in his word, as he would enable us, that we would see that we have a purpose. Have you ever thought, what is your purpose in life? Sometimes we get that mixed up, and, and sometimes we become discouraged, sometimes depressed when we have no purpose. Viktor Frankl, who survived ostrich gas chambers and prison camp, said this, he says, when a man knows why of life, he has no problem with the how of life. I thought that was a powerful statement. He went on to say, and not in a quote, but he said, the men in this prison that died, most of them didn't die for lack of bread and water. They died because they had no hope. They died because they had no why. But I want to tell you today, you have a why. Because we serve a God, a creator God. You are no accident. Everything was made, the Bible says, by him and of him and through him. God says in Isaiah that he is a God of purpose. He has created you for a purpose. And I think if we see that and ask God to help us really embrace that today, as we endeavor to worship our creator God, 
Because when we see God as the creator of all things, and we see ourselves as being created by him and for a purpose, on then and only then will we have an understanding of life. I don't have to tell you we live in a confused, chaotic world, an upside-down world that calls evil good and good evil. But God has given us a purpose. And even though we all face our trials and obstacles that seem to, uh, to, to vaguely or shadow our purpose, know that even in your sufferings, and when we see them as a purpose, that God sends them on purpose, we'll be able to magnify God and we'll have a how to get through all of life when we know the why. I wanted to use these verses even though they are before the fall of man. Sin had not entered. But I believe as we think about that, we can see three areas of purpose that is applicable to us today in the New Testament church age, in the gospel age, even if you will. For God has restored us, and we saw this in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, as we talked about last week, the beginning of problems, that they were covered by those animal skins, and God intervened. They were running from God, but God implied, I have a purpose, even in your sins. And that's a struggle we all have. That's why God allowed sin anyway. Why did God create the devil? That's a hard question until we see God has a purpose in all things. The fall of man was no surprise to God. Know that. It was not a surprise. For the Bible tells us that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. To know that your salvation, you were saved before the foundation of the world. And to know that as God brings us in the reality of that is the very purpose of why we're here in the first place. I want to say three things, as I said, I want to try to say regarding the beginning of purpose. The first thing I wanted to say from these scriptures that teach us the beginning of what is our purpose is that we are to bow and seek. In other words, glorify God. That's our purpose. We need to understand who God is. Are you bowing before God? And when I say bow, I'm talking about worshiping God. That's what the word bow means. And people get in a lot of problems and people have for worlds on end about worshiping the wrong thing because we are created in the image of God. We see here the plurality of the Trinity of God. He says, let us make man. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all the creatures, now we understand this is the sixth day of creation. He also made the creatures on that day. 
but man is the last that was made. God had all of creation in place and then he makes man. You see, God isn't preparing God. He is. But he makes man. He spoke everything into his head, but he takes man, he makes man in his hand, and he makes him in his image. So that we have a personal connection to God. You see, we're created to have a relationship with God personally. To worship him. And we have a Savior that enables us to do that. So when I say that that we're to bow and seek, we're acknowledging prostrately, humbly, in awe, this creator God that we serve, and we seek him. And we seek him because he seeks, sought us first. See, Romans 3 says, none seek God. But you're here today, and I want you to be Mindful to underline your purpose because God has brought you here seeking him. When you have a longing for God, it is because God has a longing for you. And when you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. So we think about the bowing and the seeking and to worship God. To glorify God, that that is what worship is about. It's about glorifying God. Why? Because he's the creator. To understand that and what he's done for us in bringing us in this presence and giving us the privilege to worship him. You know, it just came to me yesterday. I'm almost ashamed to say it. You know, I was down cutting grass by the pond. And I was thinking, I am not going to complain about my arthritic knees and about my sore back, nor about a family problem when I realize that God saved me from hell. That's where I ought to be. And that's where we all would be without God. What you think? Do you think we have a God worthy of worship? Do you think that we need to pout? Do you think that we need to shuffle around and think that we can serve him because we're living in a culture that has humanized God, deified man, and minimized sin? And I'm going to tell you, if I understand the God of the Bible, God is not pleased with that. And I really don't think we are either. But so what we need to understand is, God, I'm going to bow and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you, God, because you created. I'm breathing your air. And you know what? We're called to worship God, to bow and seek in all the days of our life to glorify him. And you know, when we come to church, to worship God, we don't need a music to worship God. No offense, Kai. We don't need an order of service. We don't need it. I didn't say we don't like it and it's not doesn't enhance it, but when it comes to worshiping God, it's not about a program. 
It's not about a preacher either. See, when we get to heaven, Kai, you and me won't have a job. You know that, don't you? But we will worship God. We will praise his holy name as a response for his grace. So we need to practice it. Two or three days ago, I went to the line at Chick-fil-A. Seems like there's always a long line there. Some young man came up to my window and I let my window down to give him my order and he did his hand like that. He said, you got a spider web in your window. I said, well, I don't doubt it. I said, I've been riding around the woods this morning. He said, do you hunt a lot? I said, no, not really, but I really love the woods and the pastures and being outside. He said, I said, do you like that? He says, I do a little, but he said, I really like to just be out there. And I said this to him. I said, we have a wonderful creator God, don't we? And I could see the sparkle in his eye. What we did in that moment as he walked off, yeah, he took my order. But both of us took an order from God that we're to worship him. And you can worship God in those sacred moments. And I could tell by the glance of that young man that he believed God. That he was glad to come up with somebody else that believed God. What a blessing it is to worship God. To bow and seek him. In Acts chapter 17, we see an evidence through the Apostle Paul of the creator God. From verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold, held your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. And then listen how he does it. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeth he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, seek him, worship him, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. I remember my daddy riding in my truck a few weeks before he passed away, and we were on our little farm that I was raised on, and we drove, he wanted to go by the creek, so I drove down there by the creek. And we got down to the creek, and he said, Randy, he said, you see that cypress tree? I said, yes, sir, I see it. It's a big tree. He said, that's my church. That's why I worship God. Now, I don't mean to imply that you worship a tree. There's a lot of Christians that say the 50-yard line is their church, or the golf course, or the boat. But what we need to understand about God is that since all things come from him, 
And there's no greater blessing than his church to worship him because it acknowledges and it makes much of him in a way that we can't do beside a tree. But we can worship him wherever we are. And we ought to make much of God as a great blessing in our lives. And God says, have no other gods before me. That's one of his commandments. So bow and seek because we're made in God's image and we're to have dominion. And when we acknowledge God in all our ways, that's bowing and seeking him, thanking him. Secondly, not only are we to bow and seek because that's glorifying God, that's worshiping God for who he is. By the way, just in a side note, I wonder, do we worship God for how he blesses us or because of who he is? Something we have to look at sometimes. We need to worship God because he is God, the one true and living God. Secondly, we see from this place in Genesis, God tells Adam, puts him in the garden, he says, dress and keep it. And I believe that's our purpose right now, to dress and keep your garden, to manage your own homes, to dress and keep the place that God has given you. And we need to dress and keep it because that's how not only we glorify him, because that shows us what we're here for. That's what Adam was given, his place. And we're to bloom where God plants us. To dress and keep. To remember God, our creator. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. We find here the reason that I believe the United States of America today is under the wrath of God. It is because we have neglected to worship God and to dress and keep the garden of God in our lives. In Romans chapter 1 verse 20 it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, the creation is God's preacher in a way, which is without excuse. The sun you see rise is going to rise in the same place every day. And there's no failing yet. Every night is going to be followed by a day. And the sun is going to sit in the same place. And we have a God that not only created the world, but sustains the world. This world is not going to get overpopulated. This is God's world. This world is not going to be ended out of God's timing by some lunatic who pulls a, a nuclear weapon. It's not going to happen. God made this earth to be inhabited. It's his world. And we should be good stewards of it and try to leave it all better than we found it because it's all God's, okay? So we're to dress and keep it. But in doing that, we have to have in our mind that it is God's, that he is the creator, and that we have boundaries. And God's word gives us the boundaries. 
Moses in, Je- in Exodus 34, 8, when God renewed the covenant, when, when he had to break the tables because of the disobedience of the Israelites, God began again. And he began with the word of God. He renewed those tables. And so if we're going to dress and keep our garden, our lives, we're going to have to begin with the word of God. If you think about revival, revival has to begin with the word of God. We have to begin again. God says in the beginning, God. So we go back to God. So you look at this word, this is God. This is what dresses and keeps our lives. This is what God has called us to do. How he's called us to live. How he's called us to dress, to wear the armor of the believer. Ephesians 6 gives us that. Do you put on those clothes every day? Who do you listen to? The devil or God? The problems we've all got into is because we listen to the devil and not to God. And the devil will always say, you know, you got it all wrong. God didn't really mean that. Yea, hath God said. Always doubt. But the word of God needs to be prominent so we see creation. But these folks wanted to deify themselves. And the Bible says later here that they worship the creature more than the creator. And that's where we are. What is the consequences of that? The Bible tells us that what happened here says for the, this cause, this is the wrath that we're under today, as I understand it, in this country and much of the world. For this cause, in verse 26, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And so we see that. But when you think about it, you got to know the creator. See, the creator, the Bible says that God created them male and female. Now that is creation. You don't change that. In this business, you know, people say, well, I think I'm a boy. You know, some girl or a girl thinks it's a boy. I mean, that, that's, that's about as close to demonic as you can get. God has created them male and female. Why? So that they can dress and keep and multiply. And that's not going to change. You might change the anatomy. You won't change what God's made you. And I dare say to find anybody happy that's tried to upset God's divine plan. See, God dressing and keeping, He's created marriage. He's created marriage for the purpose, for the role of the husband and the wife and the children and the household. And we're to dress and keep it and ask God to help us do it. That's what we're here for. To dress and keep. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Dress and keep. And then the last thing I want to try to say is not only are we to bow and seek or dress and keep, we're to cease and increase. That means multiply. How do we multiply? 
we got to stop our own selves first. You see, the great multiplier is God, okay? No matter how big your problems is, you multiply anything by Jesus, there'll be enough and left over too. Jesus told the woman called in adultery, says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, I don't have any. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. All your sins multiplied by the blood of Jesus is zero. God is a great multiplier. Okay? But what we have to do is cease to increase. God's word says he must increase, I must decrease. That's against our natural thinking, feelings. But we're to cease. We're to rest. We're to understand that's what makes his presence so profound. To be with God. To understand that God can take nothing. We got to even see the lesson of creation. God made everything out of nothing. But until we get to nothing, we'll never be anything. Because that's where God takes over. He is a miracle working God. When we think of what God has called us to do, be fruitful and multiply. How does that apply to the Statesboro Primitive Baptist Church? Okay. God tells Jacob in Genesis 35 and Abraham in Genesis 17, he says this, I am, he says to Jacob, almighty God. Be fruitful and multiply that you will be a blessing to all nations. Now, this is not just requirement to be Jew. For Galatians chapter 3 tells us that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are the seed of Abraham. So it embraces the Gentiles. And so we need to say this is called to be fruitful. Even though we know that God must give the increase. Fruitful is bearing the fruits of his spirit, of seeing his kingdom grow. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And hey, listen, there's no way any preacher, any denomination, any church, any doctrine will ever add one person to heaven or take one out. Because all that was set by the foundation of the world. Listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17. He says, Father, I thank thee that you've given me all power over heaven and earth, and I have given eternal life to as many as you have given me. But election, predestination, I'll tell you, when you see God the creator, let me say this first, I know it's time to go, is this. If you really understand God to be creator of all things, he's in control of all things, your doctrine most likely will be right in what you believe about God, about salvation. See, it's not a question if you can save yourself or not. The question is, can God do it? (laughs) That's the question. I say, yes, he can. Bow to him. Thank him for it. Dress and keep what he's given you. And cease from our own works. 
to see the great power of God. What a great blessing that is in our lives to understand that and rejoice in that. Multiply. God's the great multiplier. I visited a friend of mine, Pete Wall, one time who raised sheep. Still does, I think. Been doing it for years. I was studying the 23rd Psalm. I went over to Pete's and went through his flock and asked him questions about the shepherd. He had some really good points, scripturally and practically. And so we went to this little place over there to eat lunch. And I was sitting there at the table. I said, Pete, I want to ask you something. I said, I, I see the purpose of the shepherd, but what is the purpose of the sheep? He said, to make more sheep. He said, if my sheep don't make more sheep, I get rid of them. You know, I've been thinking about that. That's our purpose. Now, we can't save anybody eternally, but I'm going to tell you what we can tell them about God. You never know when God's going to put a spider web in your window. Okay? You never know where God's going to bring a sunset in your life. You never know what God's going to do. And even though we sometimes get shut in with our troubles and problems, sometimes God puts them there so the fruit will get good and ripe. Make a better increase. May the Lord bless us to see that. I've got a few other things I'd like to say, but I don't have time. But nevertheless, may the Lord bless us. What I want to try to say is this, that the beginning of purpose is realizing that God, Almighty God, is our creator. That nothing's too hard for him. Okay? You see that every day in your life. Everything you have, every person you know is from God. It's all God's. And so when it's taken away from us, we need to respond. You see, the one thing that we can't control, we can't control what happens to us. But we can control in a measure how we respond to it. Job, for example, when he lost everything, he worshiped God. Because he acknowledged that he giveth, he taketh. Bless his name. Can we do that? We ought to. We ought to. And to understand that because of our creator God and the sustaining God of our creation, and he's given us a span of time between two eternities to live on earth, whether it's five months, five years, or 105 years, we're to spend every day thanking him, worshiping him, Blessing his holy night and keeping our garden, our life, through his word. May the Lord bless us to praise his holy night. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this day, for your amazing creative power, and for the recreation that you've given us. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for not letting us go the way we'd have gone. Had you not intervened, and brought us to understand, at least in a glimpse, of the blessedness of having our sins forgiven, of having a call of a personal relationship with you as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for leaving us your word to keep our gardens and lives clean. We know we struggle a lot. You know it more than we do. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would bless your holy name, that we will quit complaining and quit fighting against the things we don't understand or can't control. But we will just take all our cares and our burdens to you, the God who brought it all to us, and know that you'll bring us through it. We thank you, Lord, for being our helper. We thank you for loving us. 
or forgiveness, oh God. We bow before you today in Jesus' name. Amen.